tuning in to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. I'm Janine Strong, and I am pleased to have Bradley Johnson back to continue with events from an intelligence perspective. Now, we were going to have a two-part series here, and it's turned into a three-part series because one topic seems to lead into another, and there are just so many fascinating subjects to talk about. So this part two will end abruptly. I found a good place to stop, and then you can just pick it up again with part three. There won't be any introduction for part three. I hope you enjoy the continuing conversation with Bradley Johnson. Brad Johnson is a retired senior operations officer and chief of station with the CIA's Directorate of Operations. He served domestically and abroad with numerous assignments, often during periods of armed conflict. Brad is a certified senior expert in counterintelligence issues with direct experience in the field, and he's a senior expert in surveillance and surveillance detection issues. So we left off our last conversation where Brad started talking about the CDC. So that is where we're going to go next. You were talking about political influence. I mean, just look at the CDC. Basically, everybody in private practice who's willing to stand up and talk about it is saying, well, wait a minute. These guidelines make no sense. This just, it doesn't, this is medically just impossible what you're saying. And the masks, for example, there are a lot of people out there talking about it. But the CDC brings up doctors who, by the way, often have connections to China. Mm -hmm. uh, and Or the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, the the CDC has been flip-flopping on everything constantly. First, in the beginning, the only people who should be wearing masks are those who are sick. That makes sense to me. Now, everybody should be wearing masks. And what Israel now is saying, you're not fully vaccinated until you've had your third shot. And I mean, it just goes on and on. And the censorship... Uh, somebody I was talking to the other day said they looked on all the mainstream media to see if there was any reporting on the deaths and the, the, the neurological problems and the cardiovascular problems and the skin. I mean, it goes on and on for people after these jabs. And he said he couldn't find anything. And I see it day after day after day on Telegram threads that, you know, people dying and being so sick and so miserable and so much pain. I talked to a doctor, just happens to be a friend of mine. He's a doctor in Germany, and he works at the second large, there's, okay. there's two main hospitals in Germany for COVID. And uh, he, he works in one of the second largest COVID hospital in Germany. And we were just chatting just as friends and it just happened to come up because I was saying, oh, yeah, everything's being shut down in Germany again. I've seen in the press that COVID's gone wild and da, 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 you know, that and, and they're shutting down the country again. And he goes, yeah, I saw that. But and I said, you must be crazy busy. And he's gone. No, no. He said uh, in, in the COVID hospital, we've only got three patients and all three of those were left over from before, uh, you know, in the first in rendition. Of it. We haven't had a single <laughs> new patient be uh, uh, admitted to the hospital. And this is during the middle of a political shutdown with, you know, but it's done for political reasons. Yeah. It's the it's true. It's crazy. I'm watching video after video of nurses who are standing up and saying, first of all, either all the patients or the majority of them have been vaccinated that are in the hospital now and or there's well, I, their hospitals don't have anything going on. 
And here we're being told, I mean, I don't understand. What do you think is the reason for this constant push to divide us? It's, it's, it's like the unvaccinated are being blamed for everything, which I knew this was going to happen months ago for all of these hospitalizations and talk about these building camps and places to put people who aren't vaccinated. I mean, this is scary shit. What is going on? Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically a, a page out of Animal Farm. Nobody reads that anymore, I guess, but it's a classic. And in Animal Farm, the mm-hmm. farmers leave and the pigs take over. And I think it was Snowflake was the dissident pig. And so they murder Snowflake and bury his body and don't tell anybody. And then from there on out, Snowflake was this evil enemy lurking around every corner doing things, sabotaging this and that and the other, you know, and they had to be on their guard against that evil snowflake at all times. Well, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, if you you can look at, uh, you know, Hitler had, uh, you know, I, I, his targeting of the Jews was essentially political. I, You know, he himself had some Jewish blood in him. I don't think he truly viewed Jews as, as you know, inferior animals or any of that stuff, but the propaganda made them into those things because he wanted their wealth because that's what the socialist countries always do. They have to steal wealth from someplace because their system just is mm-hmm. so inefficient it doesn't work well. So they're always stealing wealth from someplace. It's, it's what you see all over the world uh, repeated over and over and over and over and over. So I think that's what we're seeing here. It's a way to control society. You have the people that are being subjugated, but that also does something. That means all of those people who do get the shots, they realize that you do this and obey or else. I mean, they're sending a lesson to everyone here in the United States. And like I said, it's it's. I think it's strictly political. It's a way to, to control. It's a way to get people used to seeing this sort of behavior. So it's going to be one thing after the other. Uh, I'm, I'm not the only one to predict this, but I think this is going to be carried out well into the future just because it's working so well. If everybody said, screw you, we're not doing it, and all the governors stood up and said, screw you, CDC, we're not doing it, you know, sue us. Uh, they would stop. But that's not what's happening. So mm-hmm. and they're able to pick off and individually attack governors and different things and pass. They don't even passing laws. You know, most of this stuff is just edict. And of course, that's what right, dictators right. want. They don't want to have to actually pass a law. So that's how we're seeing all this be done. So I think it's an, a, a new organ of control. And why we're seeing this contact reporting be important, because they want to know, who did you talk to? And if you're getting sick and you haven't had your shot in Canada, it's been reported in the press. I don't know if it'll actually take place, but they're ta- they're talking about in Canada freezing bank accounts and so on if if you don't get your shot. So what is that? I mean, that's all a method of, of control of, be- of people, of their behavior, wow. which that's draconian and crazy. I would. I would hope that Canadians would revolt under such circumstances, but I don't think they would. You know, it's the I, f- I forget who wrote it now, but it's the old thing. Of, at first, they came for uh, this the group that mm-hmm. didn't get the mm-hmm. shot, and then they came for the other group, and then finally they came for me, and there was nobody to protect me or help me at that point. And I, right, there's nobody to stand yep, up for me. And, yep. and I think that's what we yep. see what we see happening worldwide. And again, it's that same philosophy that the people doing this are the ones that believe in state control, which is, again, it's progressive, socialist, communist, liberal perspective. That is that philosophy that, uh, you remember Hillary Clinton wrote the book, It Takes a Village. Well, what does that mean, It Takes a Village? It means that that essentially the village represents the government. 
and it takes a government in order to raise a family. It doesn't take a mother and a father and the kids to raise a family. It takes the state. And mm-hmm. that's that that's that philosophy. We see that coming out of Merkel in Germany and um, Mitterrand and, of course, Mr. Trudeau out of Canada and uh, certainly the Biden administration mm-hmm. here. I mean, that is who and what they are. That's why they they believe in doing these things, because they believe in total state control. And what do you hear them here in the United States? Uh, a lot of these guys come out and say, oh, we so admire China. Well, what? You know, why would you admire those SOBs that murder yeah. their people for their organs? And it's because they have such absolute control. They snap their fingers and you go get that shot because we, by God, told you to do it or we'll put you against the wall and freaking shoot you. And that's how it works under communism. And they admire that control. And so they'll, they openly say mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, which, again, it's the control of the state that's important to them not the freedom and the rights of the individual. Well, that's where we're heading, yes, it is. Is, is with the vaccine passports, digital currency, yes. everything will be controlled. And if you don't do, and, and I'm sure people think this is nuts, but look at what's happened in the last year that people didn't think we're going to have, you know, that that sounded like a conspiracy a year ago, and it's happening now. So if the state or the powers that be don't like what you're doing or saying, you get cut off. It, it, that's what they do in China. They have the social credit score. And if you don't toe the line, you have a low social credit score. And if you have, if you've got a high social credit score and you have a friend or a family member that has a low social credit, credit score, you put pressure on them to toe the line. Otherwise, you can't associate with them because that will bring your social credit score down. That's exactly right. And one of the ways that they enforce that is they have put up cameras on basically every street corner in every city, town, and village in China. All of them, even the small country villages now, have these cameras. Those cameras have facial recognition uh, software associated with it. So they know who you are and where you're going all the time. Big brother on steroids in China. And guess what? Now, here's one of the ugly little truths about this. Where did they get the money to do that? And what they did is they went on the U.S. stock market. That company that produces those cameras is a publicly traded company on the New York Stock Exchange. And that's where they got the capital to build all those cameras that are used to control the population of China. And they are not faced with the same disclosures, the same due diligence procedures that an American company is. Why do we have the system set up here in the United States so that an American company would have to report all of that sort of behavior and they would never be allowed by the SEC to go public because what they're building is used to subjugate a people. But yet China is not faced with those. They are able to go public. It's showing a good return because they're buying all those cameras and installing them all over China. And so that's allowed to go public and has has funneled millions of dollars into building these as a way to control the population and subjugate the Chinese people. Now, that's an ugly little truth, but here we are. That's how it works here in the United States. Why does China have that advantage over American companies in our own country? Why? Wow. (laughs) Good question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the SEC. I mean, that's I would say people often ask me about the elections and what's going to happen in 2022. And, uh, you know, why do the Democrats keep doing all this stuff when it seems to damage them so much politically? 
I think the answer is this. They don't really care about elections. Uh, I think there's a lot of questions about whether elections are free and honest anymore. But that aside, uh, I don't I think ultimately Democrats don't care about elections. They don't need to. Because so what if if Republicans take the House and the Senate for a while and even the presidency? So what? They control all federal government. All the federal agencies are dominated by the left. There's very there's almost nobody else represented in senior positions. And this is Hmm. what we this is how we see all of this stuff like the you're not seeing uh, a lot of problems between State Department and DOD and CIA and anybody else out there. CDC with with any of these things that the Biden administration is doing. You don't see pushback. You don't see any of that. But you certainly saw it during the Trump administration. Every little tiny thing that Trump tried to do, it was major battle with all of the different agencies in the federal government. I would say the tragic error of the Trump presidency is that while he said the right thing in that he wanted to drain the swamp, he viewed draining the swamp as getting rid of bureaucracy, meaning the red tape, all of the rules to get something passed and all of this and getting it approved okay. and all of that, mm-hmm. which he did tremendous, made tremendous progress on that. But that's not the swamp. That has nothing to do with the swamp. The swamp are those people. Mm-hmm. That's the swamp. And he didn't understand that and didn't fix it. Now, uh, I would say after uh, – Listening to some of my podcasts, <laughs> I, I think he's figured some of that out, which I, I know he's followed some of my stuff in the past and uh, uh-huh. he's talked about it publicly, but uh, I, I doubt he's doing it now. I'm sure he's got a lot of other stuff on his mind at this day and age, so probably not happening anymore. But I hope and I pray and I think that he has figured out now that the swamp are those people, not the rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Brad, how do we... <laughs> Is there any way to change this to get, I mean, it seems like kind of depressing. I just see it going in this one direction of total control, no freedom of choice. Uh, You have to get the, excuse me, the fucking jab in order to be able to do anything. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put that poison in my body. And uh, yeah, so. Yes, and that should be. Between you and your doctor, in fact, those should be the discussions, just like all of your other health care should be between you and your doctor. And if if you choose not to get those shots, then then why is that anybody else's business? But now it's it's public record. That is uh, definitely a shocking thing. That's the way this is all headed. And I was as I was kind of saying before that there's going to be other issues that require the same thing. Now, we've got basically a state of emergency in the United States based on COVID. So that allows the government to impose regulation that doesn't exist, that's never been approved by law. And Mm -hmm. that's what Mm -hmm. we're seeing with COVID. And uh, there'll be another emergency on the heels of it. Probably next will be global warming. And we'll see that, oh, you know, it's emergency. The entire planet is going to die unless we all take action right now to do this, 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 and this. And again, they just, they keep closing the noose around our necks, making it a tighter and tighter and tighter where they can just control everything. And who knows, maybe we'll, you know, a few years from now, we'll have those cameras with facial recognition, giving us our brownie points or taking them away like they do with the, uh, we won't need that. We won't need that Brad, because we'll have uh, chips in us or the, the graphene oxide that's in the, um, in the masks, in the swabs, and in the vaccines or the shots, uh, that acts like an antenna, and you know you'll just you'll be hooked up to AI, and and you know you you won't have any. 
privacy. Any brain left to work with. Any brain. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I would, I would, you know, a couple final points on this, Uh, you know, things, things like what I, you know, like I talk about, like I, I personally, I look at the 2020 presidential elections and I visualize those two lines going up as more and more votes get tabulated. They're both going up with, with Trump way ahead of Biden. The, Mm -hmm. the polls all close and magically at that moment, Biden gets this vertical straight line up of all these votes cast for Biden and not a single vote cast for Trump. And then both lines continue on to the end where Biden has declared the victor. Well, that has never occurred occurred in an election before. That doesn't exist. You know, there are no other elections that that had a result like that. There's always votes simultaneously being cast for both candidates. One will be getting more than the other. But they're always being simultaneously cast, and there's clear trends as those lines go up. That vertical jump of those votes for Biden, like I said, that's not a naturally occurring thing. So any rational person looking at that election, you've got to look at it and go, well, wait a minute. Explain that line to me. Where did that come from? How did right. that happen? That That's mm-hmm. not possible. So mm-hmm. why is that that way? And And yet here we are in a situation where the Department of Justice has said, that by my stating that, where I'm questioning, where I think any rational person, just you know, regardless of your politics, look at those lines and you, you got to look at it and go, well, wait a minute, how did, how did this work out that way? Mm-hmm. And but by questioning that, according to DOJ, I am classified as a terrorist. That is the definition that they've put forward, is that people who do that are attacking the fundamental rights of the United States of America to vote. And therefore, that is an act of terrorism. That is what they have said about the audit that's going on in Arizona and Wisconsin and Georgia and and possibly later in Michigan and all of those states, that these are the acts of a terrorist group because you're questioning the vote and therefore the fundamental right to vote in the United States of America. That is their twisted logic, how they're turning this thing. So where I look at this and go, well, wait a minute, what's what's the rational explanation for anything Mm -hmm. other than it looks like somebody cheated? I mean, Mm -hmm. you you explain it then, you know, let's see how this possibly worked. But that that just to question it, that categorizes me today as a terrorist. So uh, after the 2022 elections, we're going to see some interesting results one way or the other. If the Democrats win and win big, my immediate response is going to be no way in bloody hell is that an honest and fair election for them to have done so well. So therefore, they cheated. That's going to be my immediate response. I mean, all indicators are that Republican Party will win and win big, big, big. So uh, that would then, if they consolidate all of this and their position and their authority, I would not be at all surprised to see, for example, an interview like this one where I'm stating these things come to the attention of the FBI where I would be interviewed and classified as a terrorist and possibly arrested for this conversation with you. Because you're searching for the truth. You're searching for the truth and we can't ask the tough questions. That is right. One other thing on that. 
I, I forget the guy's name, but, you know, everybody goes on about this. The left always calls it the insurrection of 6 January where they had the demonstrations mm. downtown. It was a demonstration. I've, I've seen all the videos. That, you know, there's, those people just walked into the Capitol building. You know, there's That's the videos. That's what I the saw. Police, yeah, the police are standing against the wall with their hands in their pockets. And one of them, there's a video of the guy saying, hey, is it okay if we go in? He goes, yeah, sure, go ahead. You know, and so they walked in and – uh, the only person that got hurt there that was actually hurt there was that one woman who got shot in the neck. And she was just I saw the video of her that was like three to four seconds, maybe five, six seconds before she was shot. And she was just standing there talking to somebody. You know, she wasn't mm. doing anything. And, you know, they haven't released the name of that guy, have they? But they did the shooting. Uh, but one of the protesters that day, he was kind of famous. They, I think they call him Jake. And Jake had that like Indian headdress with the buffalo horns on oh, it. Oh, right. And his face yeah. was painted red, white, and blue. Mm -hmm. Well, that judge thinks that he's got the criteria there that shows the judge, that leads the judge to believe that that guy Jake is insane. And so he's sending him to be to get mentally tested. The three things that Jake said that makes the judge think that he's insane are one, that the Democrats cheated in the 2020 election, which, uh -huh. again, I say, what rational person would look at it and say, no, this is normal. I mean, it's not normal. I, I would, you know, maybe I, I don't have proof that they cheated, but it's never been tested in court. That mm -hmm. case has never come to court based on the merits where it's been looked at. So the other side who says it's been debunked is lying. It's never been debunked because it's never been in court where the standards of proof apply and we had when we see if it can be proven that they cheated or proven that they didn't cheat. Nobody mm -hmm. knows. So here's a judge who knows for a fact that this has never been to court because he's a judge. So he knows it's neither neither been proven nor disproven in court. But yet somebody who thinks that it's probably true they cheated must be insane. The second thing wow. is that high level Democrats are involved in pedophilia. Well, mm -hmm. hello, Epstein, <laughs> you know, that guy was flying all sorts of people around, including former President Bill Clinton, to his little island where they were having sex with underage girls. So, I mean, we know for a fact, based on that, that there are high-level Democrats involved in pedophilia. The third thing that, he's talk that he talked about is that Democrats are promoting cannibalism. Well, okay, that's a little, a little more <laughs> radical, but... There are things out there. There was a, a study by, by, a, by a very left-wing university in Sweden that said one of the ways to avoid global warming, and this was a theory that picked up a little bit of steam, that one of the ways to avoid global warming is to start eating human flesh. And that, yes, it's taboo right now, but we just have to get over that because we have to reduce the number of cows on the planet Earth because of bovine flatulence, which causes CO2 and global warming and blah, 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 blah. So the way to get around that is instead of eating cows, we eat people. And we just have to get over the taboo, oh. boys and girls. And mm -hmm. those are the – so, I mean, there are Democrats or liberals, socialists out there in the world pushing it and we had that demonstration what three years ago or something like that where that kind of crazy lady was standing up there going we have to eat babies and stop raising children and da da da, da you know there so there are fringe left people out there pushing cannibalism so this guy i mean and those are facts that are that are that are uh easily uh found by by searching it's all documented mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. uh the the cheating well okay that's mean they've been proven or disproven personally i think they cheated uh, the the mm -hmm. pedophilia. I mean, we know Epstein through Epstein. At least there's 
There's that much. And that was very widespread among a lot of Democrats. And, of course, the cannibalism thing, it's documented to have been pushed by some on the left, not not mainstream, but some. But so there's there's hard facts that support each one of those contentions. Mm-hmm. But the judge looks at that and says, well, this guy's crazy. He's actually insane. And we're going to send him to get tested to see if he can be institutionalized or something. So, you know, it's, it's a world where they, nobody cares about the facts. Nobody looks at that. And that was kind of what I was saying before. Clearly, that job, judge is a liberal. He's an activist judge. Mm-hmm. And so in his worldview, where none of these things are ever discussed, to talk about that stuff, well, you got to be crazy, you know. And, and so he's basing his stuff on emotion. He's not basing it on fact. Because mm-hmm. if he thought mm-hmm. it was really, uh, you know, uh, if he really wanted to know, he could just ask that guy or he could listen to this interview and, and learn why, you know, that, OK, what about Epstein? You know, how can you say there's no pedophilia among Democrats? I mean, uh, we've we've seen documentation that President Clinton was on that, the Lolita rocket that took him mm-hmm. to the island where they were having sex with underage girls. What about that? You know, mm-hmm. OK, well, you know, there's there's facts. What do you what do you you know, how do you dispute stuff like that? So, um it's, it's just that judge looking at it from his perspective of, of emotion-based reasoning, and he's never heard this sort of discussion before, doesn't want to have any part of it, so sends this guy off to get evaluated. Now, that I don't think we've seen what's happened to that guy, but look at where we're headed, where if you mm-hmm. don't agree with liberals, you must be crazy. Mm-hmm. You, well, you're a conspiracy theorist. Yes, and, and that's what China does. China has that system where if you disagree with the Chinese Communist Party because they are the vanguard of the people and therefore doing what's good and right and wonderful and they're the best thing ever, uh, that if you disagree with them, well, you must be crazy. And they send them to insane asylums where what happens? They're reprogrammed. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you get beat up every day, you're going to start to say yes to whatever the communists want you to say yes to. I mean, that's that's how these systems work. And if they can't, redeem you they shoot you i mean that's that's the system you know that's how they work over there i mean like i said these the chinese communist party is not a benevolent society and the chinese communist party has murdered more people than anybody else in the world they're they're in the number one slot in the countdown for murdering people and there's there's that line between chairman mao who murdered all those people and the current you know, dictator of China is unbroken. That's the same mm-hmm. Communist Party with many of the well, the old officials, of course, died and gone off and stuff. But their, uh, you know, their sons and grandchildren are still the ones there in charge. You know, there's no 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 change in ownership of the government there. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's it's got to be a mess. Bottom line is, I'm not sure it can be fixed now. I just don't know. Will there be? Would President Trump, if he gets reelected in 2024? Would he have the wherewithal, the courage, the organizational skills? Because now I was a swamp dweller for 25 years. I know what it's like to operate within the government. It's not easy to make big changes in the government. Would he have the wherewithal to come in and figure all that out and make those changes? I I don't think he would. And would an insider do it? Like, say, take a, a Ted Cruz, just for an example. If a Ted Cruz became president, would he have the intestinal fortitude to make those changes, he would understand the system and could get it done. He would have the ability to figure out how to do all that, but would he? And I think Mm -hmm. the answer on both is no. I don't think Trump would would have the understanding to do it, and I don't think he would have the ability to pick 
who to surround himself with to get it done. And I don't think a guy like Ted Cruz would ever consider such a thing. I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, like Mike Pompeo, who's former Secretary of State, former director mm-hmm. of the CIA. Mm-hmm. Mike Pompeo is a good man, religious man, a Christian, uh, very intelligent. Mm-hmm. And he went into the CIA and he was fully aware of everything I've said about the, like the CIA and government being politically corrupt about it. But what did he do about it? He didn't mm-hmm. do anything. What he did was align himself with the biggest power block within the management of the CIA, which were the Obama people. He aligned himself with them and picked his deputy out of that group, which was the woman that was made uh, director of the CIA. She then ascended to be the director of the CIA and then, you know, has since left. Now they've got somebody else Mm -hmm. in there that Burns I talked about, but uh, he did nothing. And when he went to the, to the state department, it was the same thing again. I heard him the other day, they were talking about this, you know, $1,800 bottle of scotch that disappeared out of state department. And he laughed about it on Fox news and said, well, you know, state department, I see them lose a lot of things. Who knows? They, they, who knows what they did with it and who took it or where it's at, but that's their problem. They can go fix it. And that was his, that was his take on it. Well, okay. He makes fun of them and all that stuff, but what did he do to fix it? Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing. And he's a he's a good guy on the right side of stuff. And but he's got presidential ambitions. And what does that mean? What when it, when you have presidential ambitions, it's kind of like, yeah, Mike Pompeo has presidential ambitions, you know, welcome to Washington, D.C. You know, so what's new? They all do, you know, basically. And so he doesn't want to do anything to rock the boat. Should he come in and have come into the CIA and fixed it? Yes. Morally, he was obligated to have done that and should have done it, but he didn't do it because it wouldn't co- it wouldn't work with his onward ambitions because he would have made a lot of trouble and would have gotten a lot of criticism. And mm-hmm. ditto for having gone on to be the getting promoted to be the secretary of state. Same thing. If he had fixed a state department or tried to fix it, it would have been a battle and he would have taken hits and would have had criticism. It would have damaged him politically. So he just didn't do it. So, again, I, I, you know, what Republican would not fall into that? Maybe a second term really you know, sophisticated guy maybe could do it. I, and like I said, I, I don't know that Trump understands government well enough to be able to accomplish those things. And I don't think he knows enough people to surround himself with that do understand it. Like I could do it. I know a lot of that sort of stuff. And certainly in the intelligence field could – could could really do a lot to turn the whole thing around. But, you know, I don't think Trump would bring in, say, 150 people like me, all of the operators out of law enforcement and the intelligence community and the military and those sorts of guys, you know, the guys that actually know how to fight these wars, because this would be a war. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he I don't think he's going to surround himself with war fighters. He's going to surround himself with bureaucrats and politicians like he has in the past. Mark Meadows, good guy. I've talked to Mark. I like him. You know, I know no, no real criticism of the man. But is is Mark Meadows going to jump in? He would probably be the the chief of staff or higher under a new Trump administration if he were to go in. He's down at Mar-a-Lago all the time, meeting with Trump and talking about the elections and stuff. So he would go in as a very senior position. Mark Meadows isn't going to jump in and 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 do these things. I'm saying he wouldn't. I think he'd be shocked by the thought. I don't think he would look at it as. Well, yeah, let's get in behind this guy and go find more people and get all this done. You know, I, I just don't think he would do it much like Mike Pompeo, much like Ted Cruz. I think truly they would be shocked by the concept of 
of trying to to actually fix the problem. And but you know, politically, it's just it would be you'd probably destroy yourself politically to get mm-hmm. this done. But it would be mm-hmm. worth it because you fix the problem. You know, I don't know historically, you'd probably look good, but for the next twenty years, that <laughs> you'd have a drumbeat of the Democrats beating you up like they did with Ronald Reagan. You know, to this day. Democrats put out videos about Ronald Reagan saying what a crazy guy he was and all this awful stuff he did. I mean, how long has it been since Ronald Reagan was president? <laughs> I mean, that was back in the freaking 80s. I mean, what is it? Wow. Obama said you know, the, the 80s want their policies back. You know, come on. Ronald Reagan was the one of the greatest modern day presidents we had, you know, did great stuff. And they're still criticizing this guy. It's just it's. You know, and, and anyone doing any of this sort of stuff would be beat up by them, like I said, for, you know, since the 80s. What are we in? 2021, you know, so what, 30 some odd years ago and they're still beating up on Reagan? Uh, you know, it would be the future if, if Trump were to run long after he was dead, just like with Reagan, they'd still be trying to beat him up. But, you know, I don't know that Trump would care. So maybe he will. I don't know. He's talking different now and in his uh, interviews and stuff. He's talking about, you know, time to go to war and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he means it. Maybe he knows what that means. I, I just don't don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're in a war now with with the with the jab, you know, with the coercion and yeah. I think most people would agree with you because they're obviously uh, fomenting divisiveness. I mean, I, I can't believe how divisive all of this has become, and one side of the fence blaming the other side, and you know, back and forth, and. I, boy, it's going to take something to heal all of this. Well, Janine, you know, thank you so very much for having me. It's been a great pleasure to talk with you. I do, I've got to run, so please forgive me. I've enjoyed it. No problem. Uh, Would you tell the listening audience once again your website? Certainly. Uh, I'm Brad Johnson. The organization is Americans for Intelligence Reform, and you can find pretty much everything on intelreform.org. That's our website, and we've got lots of podcasts, uh, interviews, all sorts of things are on the website. So please feel free to go take a look, intelreform.org. So here we go with part two now, part two of part two. (laughs) Hi, Brad. How are you? Doing doing very well, thank you. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, thank you. It's a nice sunny okay. day, so you can't beat that. Exactly right. There are so many topics that we could talk about, and I want to let everybody know, too, that your website is awesome. There's so much information on there. I believe, is it Thursdays you do a, um, is it a live call-in, or, or what is it you do on Thursdays that people might be interested in? Correct. We do a live event uh, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, On that, I I usually am out on YouTube and Facebook and Twitch. Uh, Probably going to be adding Rumble fairly soon to the mix, but I go out on those three uh, uh, media and uh, often follow the questions and stuff. So there's a lot of give and take. It's just not monologue. So we, we chat about basically what's going on or uh, things that 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 uh, I consider particularly important. And one of them is uh, like Chinese influence in the U.S. government and their connections to the U.S. government and that sort of thing to discuss, mm-hmm. kind of lay out some of the things that where they are influencing policy. So, for example, this coming Thursday, that's going to be the uh, the the item of the day, the item du jour. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. And that's, I mean, there's so many topics we could talk about. It's it's crazy. Uh, and that is something that I would uh, like to talk about at some point. But I thought for for finishing up today, I'd really like to get your perspective as an intelligence person of 25 years. Um, and I guess you never really, what did my husband say? You never really retire. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, I've stayed involved through the years since I retired as well. So I guess you can keep tagging on numbers there at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. I'd like to get your perspective on this pandemic. It seems to me that there is so much that doesn't make sense. And I've been saying for a very long time, and it seems to me that more and more people are coming on board with this idea, even people like Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Michael Yaden, um, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, people who were, who thought in the beginning, uh, Dr. Susharit Bhakti, who thought in the beginning that all of this was on the up and up, and as they started researching and seeing what was going on, they changed their mind. So... Bill Gates and uh, Klaus Schwab and a lot of these, what I call kind of the predatory elite, sort of my term for them, they've talked for a long time about the depopulation. There's too many people on the planet. They want to get rid of a huge number of people. And then it seems from everything that I'm seeing that this vaccine, quote unquote, vaccine passport is just a lead in to get uh digital currency, digital ID, so that everything can be controlled. And um, basically, we won't have any freedoms left. Does that ring any kind of a bell with you? Well, you've, you've hit upon a large swath of things there. So let's uh, kind of, I guess, go back to the beginnings. And that's the origin of of, uh, of COVID, the pandemic. I, I like that term. That's quite funny. I, I, uh, I'll, I'll try to use that. I'll steal that one from you. The, um, oh, well, it didn't come from me, but great. Okay. Reason. I think it's perfect. <laughs> so, you know, if you look at the origin, there's a, there's a bunch of things that should just any person who's just has a basis in logic and can just kind of dispassionately sit back and look at the situation. You know, I like to refer to it as taking that look from 30,000 feet and just sort of look at the situation and see what you see. So let's go back and look at all the viruses that we've ever had in history. Viruses go around, kids get colds, get sick at school. And, you know, I, I, you know, there's not many people that I can think of that have never had a virus in their life. You know, they just go around. Now, one of the things that has always existed with viruses, and I I said the point about kids getting sick at school because schools are little Petri dishes for, you know, bugs going around the stomach flu or this or that or the other. You know, we've all heard those stories. So the, the flus have this they're you know they're they're not racist they attack all races equally <laughs> they're you know don't discriminate based on age they attack all ages equally and just as often somebody got it as an adult gave it to their kid their kid spread it at school those other kids came home gave it to their parents it just goes everywhere and mm-hmm. that is a virus now along comes this Wuhan virus the covid-19 virus and suddenly a couple of things really float to the top One of them right away is the fact that this impacts races differently. Blacks, for example, are far more impacted than whites. Uh, it's, It's very odd. Age group is also affected differently. 
Older people are mm-hmm. far more susceptible. This is something we see over and over and over. Who are the priority people to get the shots? Well, the 75 and up. You know, who are the, you know, the next priority? You know, I don't know, the 60 and up. And then it was going down the line as far as age. And children uh, aren't really very susceptible, especially the under 12-year-old groups just don't really get it. And so it's one of those things that discriminates based on age and it discriminates mm-hmm. based on race. Well, mm-hmm. that has never existed before in a virus. So why does it exist now? This is something that we've seen a lot of people go in and talk about. I mean, I won't get into the scientific stuff, especially since it's not my background, but they talk about the receptors and all these different things that have to happen. All of those things are uh, very solid evidence that this virus was manipulated by man. Because mm-hmm. these two things I just mentioned don't exist in nature. So these are completely separate mutations. So uh, you you have a far better chance of winning the lottery two days in a row than you do of having <laughs> a virus simultaneously mutate in two completely separate ways at the exact same time in one single virus, you know, overnight. That just right. it, that, that's just not possible. So you know, there's there's little question that this is this is a manipulated virus. This is not some naturally occurring thing. It doesn't matter what somebody did with a bat. You know, it 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 didn't come from that wet market and and you know, kissing a bat or whatever it was that had to take place. <laughs> and uh, so now let's just take a, a check then at that point and now look at some other data. Some of the other data, for example, in the 10 years leading up to the COVID virus, what do we see? And there's really no doubt by much of anyone that it came from the Wuhan lab. I mean, it came from Wuhan. Everybody agrees. Whether it came from the lab or not, there's a few people who disagree, but mostly those are people related to the Chinese in some way. Most people Mm -hmm. now have concluded that it came from Wuhan lab. So, okay, we'll come back to that. But now let's look at those 10 years previous to that. There is one level four lab in Canada, and mm-hmm. that that level four lab had a, a husband and wife team that were Chinese, and they brought in a team of Chinese students. This is still you know, working its way through the system in Canada, but it's been uh, called a, uh, that they broke uh, policy. There were some policy things. Well, what did they break? You know, if you dig down in, you can find it. What they did is they were spying for China and they were stealing secrets and samples and taking them back to where? Wuhan, to the lab there. Okay, that's in Canada. The labs here in the United States, there's been about a dozen cases of people, again, spying on those labs and taking that information back. We had a gentleman arrested in uh, in Detroit, for example, where he had about a dozen virus uh, examples, things that were being worked on in the U.S. labs, and he hid them in his socks and got caught at the airport and was arrested. And <laughs> you know, there's in his socks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in his suitcase, <laughs> hid them in his socks. And you know, there's there's about a dozen cases over a ten year period of where people are arrested and gone to jail, including, for example, someone in the Chinese military, the People Liberation, People's Liberation Army, which is the army of the Communist Party of China. It is not the army of China. It is of the Communist Party. They swear allegiance okay. to the Communist Party, not the country. And oh, interesting. So, yeah. And also, for that matter, I mean, I digress a little bit, but that flag that we see with the, the stars on it, with the red background, 
That mm-hmm. flag that everybody flies for China, that's not the Chinese flag. That has nothing to do with the country. That is the flag of the Communist Party of China, a completely different thing, which you remember uh, Russia, the hammer and sickle, red flag. Mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. also, that was the party flag, not the country flag. Now Russia mm-hmm. flies that also red, white, and blue, kind of looks like the French flag with the colors moved around. That is actually the Russian flag and mm. not not a party flag. So uh, at any rate, uh-huh. so over, over about a 10-year period, uh, there's just case after case after case, including cases of active duty Chinese military intelligence officers being involved. And all of these are going back to Wuhan, their Wuhan lab, where they do this main investigatory work and research on viruses. So uh, for over a 10 year period, case after case after case of where we have caught them and arrested them and it gets to court so we can see the information on it. Case after case over a 10-year period is just – it's going to be the tip of the iceberg. You know, there's going to be way more that they got away with or we never caught them or couldn't prove it or didn't you know didn't come to the point of where they were arrested. Maybe as soon as they – there were a number of cases of where as soon as they saw it was getting hot, they just left the country. So it didn't go anywhere. So, you know, these, these 10 or 12 quick cases are just the tip of the iceberg. There's probably two, three, four hundred cases of, of this stuff going on. So – a massive espionage effort on the part of the Chinese intelligence services against our labs in the United States and Canada and our research, which United States and Canada have shared. <coughs> Excuse me. So a massive of, of, of uh, espionage program against these labs over a 10-year period leading up to COVID-19, all tied back to the Wuhan lab in China. So I mean, the point out of all of this, the take-home is, and you know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the Communist Chinese Party is not a benevolent society. They do these things for a reason. And Chinese uh, intelligence services, including the Chinese military, do not do research to cure disease. That's not what they do. <laughs> they do research to make weapons. So mm-hmm. now you take this. We know for a fact, based on these cases, that the Chinese were stealing information as part of a weapons research program connected to viruses, connected to the COVID virus, connected to their lab in Wuhan. We know for a fact that this Wuhan virus, the COVID-19 virus, does not behave like any other virus ever has. We know for a fact that this virus leaked out of the Wuhan lab in in, uh, in Wuhan, China. So you, you just take that. I mean, I just don't see any rational explanation for this. These facts that we just laid out, there is no rational explanation that fits the data points other than this was a weapons program by the Chinese. So they were manipulating it to affect different age groups and different races. Interesting. That's an interesting fact. So mm-hmm. the question is now, I mean, just take the, the data takes us where it takes us. The question is now, did that escape on purpose? Was it let loose or mm-hmm. did it escape by accident? I think that's the real question. Now, uh, there's data that in, that would kind of push me both ways. So I'm, I'm not pushing either of those two things necessarily. Mm-hmm. But for example, when did this hit this? You know, this is now two years ago. But when it hit, it hit in it was originally released in November, although nobody was talking about it for a couple of months after that. Well, mm-hmm. if I were Chinese intelligence and if I were going to loose this upon the world in a way that would kind of hide my hand, that would be my hope, my plan. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I would pick November in China in which to do it. The reason is because that's leading into Chinese New Year. So you release the virus into the mm-hmm. public in November. You know, uh, you know, like, I don't know, 5% of the known world travels to China for the Chinese New Year. I'm exaggerating, mm-hmm. but there's millions okay. upon millions of people that go to China for Chinese New Year. So all of those people from all over the world are infected and then turn around and go home before anybody knows what the COVID-19 virus is. That would be the absolute ideal way to have this immediately spread all over the world. Because if it originated in Wuhan and was only there, it would it would radiate outward. But that's not right. what happened. What it right. did was it appeared everywhere basically simultaneously. And we were all kind of struggling to see what this thing was. So, uh, you know, could it have been just coincidence that it came out in that period of time? Yes, it, it could be just coincidence that it came out at the absolutely freaking perfect time. But it could be coincidence. <laughs> but it might be on purpose, too. And certainly, you know, to disregard this having been released on perf- uh, on, on accident based, I mean, on purpose, to disregard the possibility that was done on purpose based on the timing I think is foolish because you have to look at just the absolute perfection of the moment it was released and go, okay, well, that's pretty strong evidence that it was done on purpose. Now, like I said, there are other data points that might push you the other direction where it was an accident, but therein is the, is the debate. And this is something that um, isn't being discussed by the administration. And, and even though all these people have died, uh, you know, why is there no, why isn't anybody really digging in to look at this? We were starting to get to it at the end of the uh, Trump administration, but now that's all been buried by the Biden administration. So it's an mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing that it's it's being buried, which of course begs many other questions as well. Uh, but I, I think that's kind of the core. Now, uh, what was done with it politically, and and um, and uh, uh, like going back to your term, pandemic. I think that this is. <laughs> This is one of the adages that we hear out of the communist, socialist, liberal, progressive, you know, ideology is Mm -hmm. never let a good crisis go to waste. And I think (laughs) that's what we saw here. We had this COVID hit and it was the perfect opportunity to declare a state emergency. And that's what we've seen, you know, the left always kind of maneuvering around is to be able to declare emergencies here, emergencies there, because it, it lets them marshal support for themselves. It, it gains followers to their political perspective. It gets them donations for the politicians, all those sorts of things. So, and this is one of the things that had not been working out with global warming. I mean, I think if you look at global warming, that was the plan always with global warming is to be able to declare a national emergency and take special powers uh, unto the government to act on that. Now, I will say, I, I think that's still in the plans. And after, right. if if COVID disappears, I think that will be the next step, which uh, let me digress right. again on that one. Well, can I say just one thing before you do? Wasn't sure. it Werner Werner von Braun who said he predicted this that there would be a health crisis, then it was going to be climate change was going to be the next false flag, and then um, and then it was going to be uh, a false flag of some kind of ET invasion. 
Well, that's interesting, too. We've suddenly had a lot of uh, film released out of the Navy. I had not heard that from Werner von Braun, which was uh, you know, post-World War II German Nazi scientist who worked on the V-1 and V-2 rockets and that, who was then uh, picked up by the United States, the Navy, I believe, in particular, and worked with us to uh, create our early rockets that were successful when we were mm – -hmm. this is back in the days when we were in the competition with uh, the Soviet Union, you know, Sputnik and all of that. Uh, mm -hmm. I hadn't heard that Werner Braun had, Braun had stated that, but the logic chain seems reasonable, and and we're we were seeing you know some elements of those sorts of things and some of the discussions today and so on. Um, so it's a reasonable argument. Another thing is Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone, who is the inventor of the mRNA vaccine technology, although you wouldn't know it now because I guess Wikipedia and others have taken him out of it since he's speaking mm -hmm. up uh, and changed it. They're giving credit to somebody else. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But he said that, oh, he did a presentation. I think it was with the uh, the German legal group that had been interviewing people. And he goes back to the research that his team did. I think it goes back to, oh my God, I think it goes back to the 90s or early 2000s of the patents for all of these these vaccines and these variants and, and, and the spike protein. I mean, the, the patents have been there for a long time. Uh, yeah, I don't doubt all of that. I mean, I, I I don't comment too much on the straight up medical sorts of things, just not having the background for it. But I uh, mm -hmm. I hear rumors all the time about Dr. Fauci owning certain uh, rights to patents that, that are making him a lot of money mm -hmm. based on the way that COVID's being done and so on and connections to, you know, other billionaires mm -hmm. and so on. I, I, I've heard all of those things. The more troublesome aspect mm -hmm. of that for me is his uh, direct contact and coordination with the Chinese on some of this process. And when COVID initially hit, all fingers were originally pointing in, at uh, at Wuhan. And, you know, everybody mm -hmm. pretty much knew where it came from from the beginning. But then Dr. Fauci organ had some phone calls, you know, not that we have transcripts of what was said, but he had some phone calls with the Chinese government uh, representatives and uh, and suddenly uh, coordinated this big opposition to that whole thing. And most of the uh, organizations, if you look at at the institutes and research institutes and so on and the universities that pushed back against COVID-19 being from Wuhan and they were uh, focused on the, on, you know, on the bats and the wet market and all of that, all of those organizations and people all had ties to China. Uh, the, the universities having multi-million dollar grants from China and that sort of thing, uh, you know, going on. So it was a uh, it was always one of those things. I started just researching some of these institutes that were the most vocal about it, and they were all getting million-dollar grants from China. Well, you know, that's wow. China exercising some direct control over, over the debate here in the United States, covering for themselves. And, you know, mm -hmm. during Trump days, the end of it, he was talking about reparations. And, of course, that that drove the Chinese ballistic crazy, and we saw very vocal pushback on that. Now that conversation is – is dead and gone. We, we're not. We're not going to hear that again. At least while the Democrats are in control. So, uh, yeah, it's all all very interesting how all this has gone. Um, and I, as the kind of back to the pandemic, then a little bit. The uh, I think that that's what we've seen. We've seen a very uh, callous exploitation and exaggeration and channeling of the different medicines and, and so on, uh, some that could have been very effective and 
and used were ignored and, and people were saying they're dangerous. Even things that had been around for 60, 70 years, hydrochloroquine, for example, that's, that's mm-hmm. also issued for malaria. So anybody traveling right. to malaria has been getting a version of that medicine for, I don't know, 70, 80 years, a long time. I've taken it myself personally many times because on my travel mm-hmm. for work with the agency, they would just look at the country where you're going and say, okay, there's malaria. Here's a bottle of this stuff, you know, take it. And you know, they would mm-hmm. give you the instructions. I don't, you know, I don't think I knew anybody at the agency that hadn't taken that stuff, uh, you know, off and on for mm-hmm. years just to avoid getting malaria during travel. So uh, it, it's it's one of those things. There's just so many quirky things. And, you know, there's so many people giving so many different stories. I guess that's kind of the, the thing that has has created so much fatigue among the American people. And why you have so many people hesitant to get the jab is because, you know, who's telling the truth and who's lying? And mm-hmm. it's just one of those things. It's just too hard to tell, because even on the people who you know, don't follow the Democratic Party narrative, there's a lot of differences between them. And within the Democratic Party narrative, there are differences there as well. So, I mean, there's there's probably at least 10 different main themes out there that you could kind of all follow. So it's it's so hard to, you know, unscramble all this stuff. It's it's hard to follow, hard to know what to do. But now apparently the FDA has approved the Pfizer shot. So uh, apparently that's something that a lot of people were waiting for. Uh, now they're talking about getting those shots down to the youth. They're talking about, uh, you know, getting booster shots, a third shot for people. And, you know, and then there's criticism of that saying, well, you know, you rushed the second shot before. That's why we need a booster shot now. If you just waited for the second shot another three or four months or some amount of time, I'm, I just pulled that out of the air. But if, if you waited an additional period of time and given the second shot, you'd have had the effectiveness you needed out of it. And now they're saying, well, everybody has to wait eight months to get the third shot. Well, that's the eight months that you should have waited to get the second shot. You know, those sorts of things, which Mm -hmm. they're already talking about a fourth shot. I mean, this Uh, is just going to go on and on. It's never going to stop. 